back to the end credits podcast thank you so much for clicking on this episode today we are reviewing the 1983 classic movie starring al pacino that would be scarface i'm once again joined by my good friend phoenix cloud and phoenix thank you so much for being here how you doing i'm great man thank you so much for having me man really excited to do this one of course of course we are going to see a lot of Phoenix, and we already have heard a lot from Phoenix. If you would, please go back and check out our other episodes. We did a bunch of recent classics as well as other classics like Jaws. We did Whiplash. Phoenix and I most recently did A Star is Born and Boys in the Hood. So we're still a relatively new podcast, but um going to be sticking around here for a while, and we've done some great work in the past few months. So if you would, please go check that out. Also, however you're listening to this, the only thing I ask is if you could go back, check out those other episodes in addition to leaving us a review. Um, if you're listening for the first time or whether you're a frequent listener, those reviews truly do help. And that is the only time that I will ask for it here at the beginning. We would really, really appreciate that. Scarface. Phoenix, this is both of our first times watching it. I told you pre-show that I think this was the most iconic, most influential movie that I had yet to see. Now I can scratch that off my list. Was that the same for you? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, this is this has been on my watch list for a long, long time. Um, I actually made a list, uh, I think well over a year ago, of like 10, 11 movies that I wanted to watch. And the first one that came up was Scarface. But it wasn't streaming anywhere when I when I made it. So I didn't get a chance to see it until now. So well over a year later. <laughs> so I can finally start working on the rest of that list. But uh, yeah, so uh, definitely one of the most influential films that I've never seen. And um, we I have a lot to say about it. Oh, thank God. That's good. <laughs> um, expectations kind of going in, of course. We try to mitigate expectations as best we can, especially for these monumental movies, because it's easy to put something on a pedestal so high and have these insane expectations. And then it's easy to get disappointed when it doesn't live up to the hype. So you try to mitigate that and get in front of that by not having super high expectations for these big iconic movies. But I mean, it's Scarface. We had to have had some level of expectations going in what was yours like phoenix um i actually didn't really have any like so the thing about the thing about scarface is i've i've learned about some of it uh, the story of scarface through osmosis over over the years right <clears throat> simpsons did a parody on it uh you know probably a few times I think even South Park did a parody on it. Um, there are other movies that like sort of reference Tony Montana. Um, Scott Hall, the late great Scott Hall, uh, his uh, Razor Ramon persona was based off of Tony Montana. So like there's there's a bunch of stuff where I've like sort of had a, a glimpse of what this story kind of involved or at least definitely certain scenes. Um, but to see it all in full context, I. I I, it helped because I didn't have super high expectations, but I didn't have super low expectations either. So it was sort of like meeting this film right, right in the middle. 
Yeah. And I like that. I like that you tempered expectations a bit going in so you wouldn't get burned. For me, I was just expecting Pacino to go absolutely rogue and kill a bunch of people. And uh, that's kind of what happened. So let's let's dive into um, kind of this story. And for me, I think the big highlights of this film are the two bookends. I think the first 30 minutes and really the last 45 minutes to hour, I think the first scene with the interrogation room, brilliant, perfect. Pacino nails it. And I think it really was a good transition from that opening um, opening like story role where they talk about how many uh, Cubans were sent over that were criminals right. and were like the criminals were hidden amongst the normal folk that were sent over. And it goes a perfect transition into, of course, Tony being a criminal and getting interrogated and showing that the U S government did a half-assed job, but still did try to flesh these people out and see who was these criminals from there. And I just thought that was a great opening scene. I agree. Um, it, it gave it sort of like a documentary feel <laughs> like that was a uh, that was kind of unique. I wasn't expecting that. But uh, yeah, it was it was a uh, it was a unique flavor that I think they brought to this particular film. Um, it does kind of clash with the rest of the film, though, just because just in terms of style, because uh, the rest of the film goes on a very narrative focused uh, character drama and that just seemed like a very uh, it was a wide starting place and they whittled it down to where we eventually go but uh i thought it was a unique way of of bringing us into this movie yeah i agree and then the next scene that stands out near the beginning was of course the chainsaw scene in the motel <laughs> with the motel right uh maybe i'm skipping ahead a little bit but that was Still at the beginning, still within the first like 30, 40 minutes. And that's when I knew, holy crap, we are in for a wild, wild ride. I don't know if I've ever seen something like that with the chainsaw <laughs> in, in a movie like this. Like you talk about straight up horror movies, sure. You talk about straight up thriller movies, okay. But a movie like Scarface and with the mob and with gun violence, I'm not sure I was expecting a chainsaw. And I'm not sure I was expecting what actually happened as a result of that chainsaw. Well, that's how he gets the scar, isn't it? <laughs> like, I mean, that was crazy. Talk about, <laughs> talk about beautiful filmmaking too. Oh yeah. Um, the, the editing, the cinematography in that scene alone was Very. brilliant because it, it, it makes you feel like you're in the room there. It makes you feel super tense. It's a total jaw dropper moment. And, they don't really show that much of it. Obviously, they they can't because it was borderline rated X because of <laughs> that chainsaw scene. So they can't right. really show you all that much. But still, still, this was filmed perfectly and really made you feel like you were in the bathroom there with them. Yeah, it's very uh, grindhouse esque the way it was shot, uh, which is which is really cool. Um, and that might be, I think you're right about the the booking of the top and the end of the film are probably among the most violent uh, oh, yeah. scenes in the entire movie. Um, although there is some some <laughs> gratuitous violence throughout, but like, yeah, like uh, as far as taking place in one place, 
yeah, that the the chainsaw motel scene is definitely a, a highlight or low light, depending on who you are. <laughs> <laughs> what else were some uh, some things that stood out to you? Um, I really loved Al Pacino as Tony Montana. Like, mm-hmm. I think that that goes without saying. Like, Al Pacino, especially nowadays, like I. I've seen Al Pacino in The Irishman, right? You know what I'm saying? He's older. He, you know, he's not as, uh, you know, vicious as he as he used to be. I also saw him in The Devil's Advocate. Fantastic role, by the way. Um, but I'm, I'm used to this sort of older version of Al Pacino. Uh, so to see this younger version of him where he's doing, he's doing his thing and he's just, he, he does it so, so well. Like, I totally see how Al Pacino made this character an icon, right? Mm-hmm. After watching the movie, I like even I, who you know, we'll we'll talk about it later. Uh, my ultimate feelings on the movie, but like, I couldn't stop like just randomly, randomly saying things like like Tony Montana. You know what I'm saying? It's, I was at work the other day and I was just like, yeah, I need I need this stuff. I need it right now. I'm tired of talking. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Just <laughs> just being like that and i just think al pacino made this iconic above all else you have all the grindhouse horror you have all the the violence the action you have this great character study but it, it does not become an iconic film without al pacino who knew who <laughs> knew that an italian american could play a cuban so well <laughs> <laughs> and that's um, yeah that's another thing like you you don't even notice that al pacino's italian like he he plays that role to a fantastic degree i'm just i'm just poking the bear there um <laughs> no pacino's great i mean he's obviously one of the most iconic actors ever and people like to think when they think typical mobsters i think first name off the top of your head's probably De Niro. Almost Pacino, I think in my mind is more of a gangster than than De Niro is. When you look at, you know, you look at obviously the Godfather films, I think would be the most relevant example of that. And then you look at Scarface and then you've got films like The Irishman and Donnie Brasco and a couple of other ones. Casino. (laughs) Of course. Yeah. Well, he he's the cop. But as far as is playing these mobsters or who you wanted in a mobster movie back in the eighties and nineties. I feel like he was the guy. I feel like he stands out more to me as that classic mobster more than Pesci, more than De Niro, more than Keitel, more than really anyone. And that's my opinion at least, but um, he's always pulled off that just naturally intimidating factor especially for being a shorter male he's just always had that aura and that presence of unpredictability but calculated you know you're in a room with any of his characters really any of his mobster characters and especially in scarface calculated knows what he's doing but so wildly unpredictable where you never truly know his next move right Carlito's so, ways, another one, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> good, good call. So he was not nominated for Scarface. 
do we have what do we see do we see Gishu with that <laughs> <laughs> um yeah it's a 1984 oscars which of course would be for 1983 movies mm-hmm. um we had robert duvall for tender mercies we had michael Caine for educating rita tom conti for reuben reuben and then Albert Finney and Tom Courtney for the dresser. Two Ooh. actors in the lead. Two the actors. Hell? Two actors in a leading role there for the dresser. Um, yeah, no, no Pacino here, which is interesting. Scarface appears to have not been nominated for any Academy Awards either. That that can't be right. <laughs> well. Take a look. No, Scarface was not nominated for any Oscars. How? <laughs> That's that seems unbelievable. Like... I think I think for sure we could have had a Pacino uh best actor nomination. I we could have had a best adapted screenplay nomination here as well. I mean, why why is this not in screenplay? Why? What like? That's wow, because you you named all five of the actors who were nominated, and while mm-hmm. I know the names of these people, Robert Duvall, Michael Caine, uh, Tom Conti, I know these guys. The movies that they're in, never heard of them. <laughs> like never heard of them. They're not even remotely on anyone's radar in terms of I like legendary films. Scarface yeah. is is you could argue one of the films that is has transcended time. And what? Nothing? What? <laughs> Nothing. Not a single one. That's embarrassing. <laughs> that is that is embarrassing. Wow. Okay. Let's uh, uh let's get let's get back to some more of your talking points. Well, actually, let's let's wrap this up on Pacino instead. All time Pacino performances that we've seen, of course, he's got so many great ones, but there are a couple blind spots for both of us. Um, all time Pacino performances. Where is this for you? Ooh, um... I'll tell you what, like. I think Michael Corleone mm-hmm. has got to be top for me. Got to be top for me. Mm. Um, I saw, I've seen Scent of a Woman, which is what he won his Oscar for. Solid, solid performance. Definitely carries that movie. I think this is a better performance here as Tony. I think it's a better one, um, which is crazy. He didn't even get nominated for this. He wins for Scent of a Woman, but I feel like almost that was a... Yeah, we've missed the mark. Let's just give it to him. Yeah. Donnie Brasco, Insomnia, House of Gucci. These are all Pacino being Pacino and being great, but pretty pretty average performances in a rich history. I love him in Heat. Um, I think, long story short, this is my second favorite Pacino performance outside of The Godfather. Um. I I would say, having not seen The Godfather, uh, I know sacrilege. Um, <laughs> this would this would probably be my favorite performance. Um, 
Yeah, this would this would probably be my favorite performance. Just because I think this is the performance to me that's that identified Al Pacino as one of one of the greats of our time. Like I, sure. I think I think it's just no question about it. Um like you you could argue 100% that the the same is true for his role in the Godfather but I like I would say like this is the one where you're like I had no idea this this kid was capable of that and to me that that's that's where I I would place it so to me that's number 1 Un like I would actually have to give a this might be a different a weird choice for a number 2 but I would have to go with his role in any given Sunday I just think like that role to me is like it, that role is the def definition of the latter half of of Al Pacino's career where it's like this is who he is now and this is his skill set and I think that's just where a a great place where he went for that so like to me those are the those are top two performances for me and maybe a little weird maybe that'll change once I finally watch The Godfather but yeah he was 43 when this came out, which wow. is crazy. <laughs> he looks he looks so young. Right. Yeah, he looks incredible. Um, one thing that I do want to talk about as well, before we circle back to, to some other talking points, one thing that really stood out to me in the opening credits that I did not know is this was written by Oliver Stone, mm -hmm. who, iconic, iconic filmmaker with Platoon, Best Picture winner, JFK, Wall Street, Born on the Fourth of July, Natural Born Killers, amidst others. Right. He normally, normally he directs his own movies that he writes. Mm -hmm. This is really the only noticeable movie in his filmography that he doesn't direct that he wrote. So I thought that was really interesting to me that. You know, you have this brilliant, iconic director writes this movie and is not attached as the director. I just thought that was really interesting. I mean, and and I get it. Uh, I don't know what the relationship is between Al Pacino and Oliver Stone, but I know uh, Brian De Palma is uh, a, an incredible director, and him and um, him and uh, uh, she's. I forgot his name. Al Pacino. <laughs> Sorry. Him and Al Pacino have worked together. Uh, they worked on uh, Carlito's Way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, I just think in terms of the performances that, that De Palma is able to get out of Pacino, I think you, you can't go wrong. That's a that's a brilliant mix, uh, collaboration there. So that could be that. Right. Right. And this isn't to knock down De Palma at all. It's more to just say I, I was happily surprised that Oliver Stone was involved in this, especially as a writer. I mean, normally he's got that writer-director combo, right. but he was just the lone writer, and he's credited as the lone writer. There wasn't someone else, which is rare nowadays. Right. So I was, I was just impressed, and I think that's worth noting. Absolutely. And when it comes to Scarface, um, so, like, one of the things that I love, like, absolutely love uh, in terms of uh, of film watching is I love it when there's a film that came out decades ago, right? And I watch it 
you know, in recent years. Mm-hmm. And it still hits, right? It's still, it's got that magic, right? Mm-hmm. That timeless magic. That's my that's my favorite thing. That's happened to me several times, right? Sound of Music, uh, Die Hard, um, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like, other, uh, I'm blanking on the other movies that, that that's happened to. But then there are times where I get, you know, a movie from that period or from like decades uh, ago, and I, I watch it and it doesn't hit. It just it doesn't have that timeless quality. And some people may disagree. Like Wizard of Oz to me didn't didn't really nope. hit nope. for me. E.T.'s another one that didn't really hit for me. Um Jaws is one that, that absolutely did. So there, <laughs> there's that. Um, and this is one of those movies that didn't really hit for me. Like in terms of its timeless quality. I I didn't get that vibe. I liked Scarface. I I really enjoyed it for what it was, but like to me, I couldn't embrace it. I feel like in the way that it's revered, I couldn't embrace that today. That that's that's the thing about it. I agree with you. I agree with you. I think that this is so influential and so iconic, but as we're going through it, it really struck me as like there's an hour left and I was thinking to myself like not much has happened but yeah. not in not in a boys in the hood way where it's like okay not much has happened but I see the groundwork I see yeah. the foundation I know we're building to some epic shootout like I know that something big like I was like nothing's really happened and it meanders quite a bit in the middle quite a bit i was never disinterested i was never mentally checked out but it meanders quite a bit in the middle and for about an hour during this nearly three hour movie i was like what what are we doing this could use (laughs) a better edit to be honest yeah and i think for me what it was was like Especially like I know I know I said I didn't go with any expectations, but I'm like the one thing that I knew, the one thing that has been a constant about this movie for for decades is its violence. And I was like, you know, there's some of that throughout the movie, obviously, but like for as much as it was it was talked about, I would have thought that this was maybe not, you know, every minute of it was a hyper bloody affair. But like, it, it's actually it, it it it's not even about that. The violence is secondary to the actual story that's being told here. This is a story, really a love story. You know what I'm saying? Like it, most of this movie, he spends trying to get his girlfriend, his his wife, Michelle Pfeiffer's character. That's that's much of the first half of the movie. The second half is him trying to protect his sister. You know what I'm saying? from every guy that wants to sleep with her which is understandable because she's beautiful like like so i get it and i'm like and and then the violence is secondary in that and i'm like okay like and and don't get me wrong the violence is good violence is really good (laughs) especially the 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 final scene that that is amazing but like you're 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 right that it meanders because most of it is just this love story which i thought was kind of weird 
all things considered, what what this movie was tackling and what it was ultimately focused on, it, it seemed weird to delve so deeply into this into these love stories. Maybe it's something that gets better on a rewatch mm-hmm. from that. But yeah, the story itself and him kind of like taking over into the ultimate drug lord seems too too simple mm-hmm. too like in not inconsequential is not the right word but like it's weird right because there's not a whole lot of scenes that build up to that it's not like we see two three scenes in a row where he's laying the foundation for that to happen just kind of like oh now he's got more power mm-hmm. okay let's watch three three dialogue scenes oh he's got more power again <laughs> okay and i don't know like i think that this film obviously we weren't around when this film came out phoenix but i almost feel like this was so much of a trailblazer because of the violence mm-hmm. and because of the performance that from a pacing perspective from a fleshed out story perspective people almost didn't mind it as much and i also feel like you look at how many great movies that we can directly compare this to that came out afterwards it kind of devalues it a bit just based on some of the things we've seen that come post 1983 Mm. yeah i don't know what do you think of that yeah and i agree and and i think you can't argue that this this movie doesn't lay a foundation for future uh, gangster or mob movies. Like it absolutely does. It, it's I would argue one of the the founding fathers of <laughs> of gangster movies. Um, absolutely. But yeah, you're right. Like uh, in terms of his rise to power, I, you would think that we would get a bit more of it, but it's sort of kind of montaged in a way, right? Like. After he kills his own boss, which is admittedly a pretty great scene, and then he kills the police officer who, let's be fair, had it coming, and uh, yeah, and like, like, then we just automatically like he's got, he's got new people working for him, and then he he then took this 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 girl whom he wanted, and now he's running things, and he's the man in charge, and he's dropping off millions at the bank and stuff like that, like it moves at a very rapid pace from that moment to, to the moment we see Tony Montana on top of everything. And to me, I was just like, okay, that seemed like that really seemed like the heart of your film, but it got sort of washed away. And that was a little weird to me. It also felt like the romance kind of felt forced or shoehorned. I I feel like, I feel like it missed. I missed several scenes. I felt like I fell asleep and I missed several <laughs> scenes, but I didn't because early in the movie, Michelle Pfeiffer's character says like, even if there was no one else on earth, I still wouldn't sleep with you. All right. And then it's almost like a couple scenes later, he goes over to Frank's house. It's by the pool. And they're talking about like ways to make it work. And mm-hmm. I was like, wait a minute. What did not you just say? You would never, ever do it to him. And I don't know, maybe there was some, like, we can dive into, like, she was really interested, but just said those things. I don't know. Love is weird. Yeah. But, like, that just felt 
very weird. And and honestly, she's the character that I that I feel was the most underdeveloped because it was it was like, yes, she said that, and she probably meant that, right? But I don't know. I think it's because we, we we're taken from his perspective. I don't mm-hmm. know. Like to me, it's like. I feel like we didn't understand her motivation at all. Like she was with the mob boss in the beginning, Mm -hmm. but it was clear she wasn't like madly in love with him either. Right. She, she probably liked him and she enjoyed the fruits of what being with him uh, meant, but she wasn't obsessed with money and she wasn't obsessed with power. It just seemed like she enjoyed being taken care of. And so like when when he dies and you know Tony takes takes uh over for her or, or takes takes her from him, she just ends up back in that situation where she just wants to be taken care of. And there isn't much other than that. You know what I'm saying? Like it doesn't seem like she's thought of at all in this at least not in a romantic sense like Mm -hmm. she's incredibly attractive she's like a trophy piece right and as something to just have but i don't believe she was ever loved by either of them and like and i don't believe she ever loved either of them either so like her character i feel like you don't have to spell all of that out but like her character is underdeveloped in a way because we don't really know if that's the case, you can just really infer. Um, but I wish that there there was a little bit more there. Yeah, uh, I'm totally with you. From a character development standpoint, everyone could use an improvement, even Ooh. Tony. I just think, especially for a nearly three-hour movie, a lot of it's a collection of scenes with them kind of just meandering. <laughs> <laughs> Kind of just talking about things that ultimately I feel like don't lead to too much. Of course, there are scenes where there's dialogue going on where it does matter that do set up future events that do set up character motivations, but few and far between. That's at least how I felt. Yeah. And... I do. Oh, sorry. No, you go ahead. No, no, I was about to make a different point. Go, go for it. I, I don't. <laughs> I don't want to just sit here and hammer it about that because that's really my only big complaint was like it felt rushed in certain aspects, which is odd because it's a three hour film. But I really want to talk about how great the action is when it does happen, because this is an incredibly violent movie and I really enjoy it those aspects of it and i think that i will rewatch this some point in the next couple of years just to see w- what exactly those non-action scenes look like and where they fit into the story because i feel like i might have missed something but did we know that they're making their a remake of this did you know that yes yes they are which um I'm mixed on <laughs> like I'm like I, I think that there's definitely room to improve and and to you know punch this up but again I just think the original is so iconic 
I, I, I don't even, I mean, but then again, that I'm sure there's someone who, you know, said that in the 1960s when, or in the 1980s, when they were making this, like what we already have the thirties version. It's amazing. So like, I don't know. Um, you know, best of luck to them. Hopefully it, it works out. But, um, yeah, to me, I, 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 like we're in agreement. We're in agreement on, on much of this is, um, just felt the pacing was weird. The editing was weird. And for a three hour movie, the lack of character development for a lot of people was just weird. Um, yeah. But I like what it is saying about the immigrant experience, right? And basically how Tony Montana is coming from uh, a world of communism into a world of capitalism. Yeah. And, and like, and he benefits from capitalism but then when capitalism tries to impose its rules, he rebels against those. And it's like, it's like, you know, you can only break so many rules, right? You can only have so many limits. And Tony Montana seems to be obsessed with the idea that he should be allowed to do anything, right? So like, and I don't know if that comes from being an immigrant and, and having nothing to suddenly having everything and then thinking that, well, because I now I have everything, nothing applies to me. I get to do whatever. And in that mentality, you do sort of lose yourself in in the the world of drugs and the world of money, the world of power, and you become drunk off of that. So like, a, like to me, and I get why this movie's called Scarface. He is the most interesting character, the one with the most development throughout this entire story and just bringing those ideas into into focus it just suffers from not much else happening to anyone else <laughs> i agree i definitely agree um other talking points you had anything else um uh no <laughs> <laughs> um definitely see why it's revered as an iconic film. I was just expecting a little bit more from a story perspective. Gets off to a really hot start. Incredible finish. Incredible, oh, incredible finish. finish. Yeah, and, actually, yeah, let's talk about that final scene. Like sure. Like that that is the quintessential reason why this film is is considered iconic, right? So much of the most quotable lines from this movie appear in in those last like 20 minutes right the, mm -hmm. you know you know you, you want to walk with me you fucking with the best i'm Tony Montana. like uh what else does it say uh say hello to my little friend like all of that of is in the, in the those final scenes and it's so great like right in terms of the violence kicks it up like a hundred notches it, like from definitely from where it's been for the past hour um it's hyper violent hyper intense right it's really oddly funny <laughs> like there's some really funny scenes there there's a great character moment between him and his sister just before that which i think is is fantastic so like there are aspects uh of that i i think especially of those final 20 30 minutes that is that puts this film above where it was at certainly for the past hour i think this is definitely going to 
go down as one of the best endings ever, at least like best third acts. I think that's still going to hold up. That's a long list, of course, but that's what makes the movie is the third act. Sure, we could talk about how brilliant the chainsaw scene is and how much of a great start that was, but the last 30 minutes to say hello to my little friend, obviously like brilliant, brilliant, brilliant stuff. And that shootout, incredible. And I'm not sure how many movies, especially at that time, had the um, confidence and the wherewithal to end it right then and there. End it with the main character, dead, boom, credits roll. Not five minutes after, not ten minutes after, dead, over. Like, we just had this insane shootout scene, and we're going to leave you with that. I'm not sure how many movies did that back in the 80s but it seems like not that many not that many that i've seen at least yeah absolutely and like it's it's an empower it's a powerful moment because like again like this story begins and ends with this character right begins and ends with tony montana and so like the idea is it doesn't matter what what happens it doesn't matter what happened to his house it doesn't matter what happened to his money it doesn't matter what happened to his legacy none of that matters it's basically the story of his rise his downfall like it's a it's essentially a narrative biopic right like of this character and it ends right when it ends like right when his life ends that's the end of the story and and i love that and it kind of says it, it it has a message in itself that says uh you know you can have all the money in the world you can have all the riches in the world all the cocaine in the world. Certainly he had all of that on his desk. (laughs) And like, but you don't get to take it with you. You know what I'm saying? So like, and that's the message of, I think of, of that final scene of of ending it that way is to say you worked for all of that and you don't get really any of it at the end. You know what I'm saying? So it it seems like a little uh, highfalutin of a message, but like I, I could totally see that being the reason to to end it there and and it works phoenix who won the movie al pacino without question yeah to me (laughs) to me it's without question that he won yeah um I mean, he's just, this is easily the most iconic thing about it. We talk about how interesting Oliver Stone is as a writer. We talk about how great of a director Dave Palma is, but this is Al Pacino's through and through, through and through. When the remake comes out with Oscar Isaac, we're still going to be talking about how that compares to Pacino, where this ranks all time Pacino performances. This is his through and through. And he totally won the movie. Um, Final thoughts, final score. Phoenix, let's hear it. Um, it, Obviously a classic, obviously um, respected film. Uh, does not, I don't, I don't feel outside of that, the, those final 30 minutes, it would, it would not be an iconic film without those final 30 minutes. Al Pacino brings it. I think it's an excellent performance in a great character study. Uh, the violence is, is brilliantly done um, and makes some weird editing choices, some very weird pacing choices. 
very weird narrative choices. Uh, mm -hmm. But I think ultimately the final 30 minutes save it and it, it's iconic for that reason. So for me, I'm going with a solid four stars. Yeah, I'm going to echo a lot of what you just said. I think the bookends are tremendous. When there is action, it's terrific. Pacino dominates the screen, as he does in most movies. Dominates the screen. This is memorable for his performance. Could he use some cleaning up in the editing room? Could he use some heavy character development? And I even, as weird as it, say, it is to say, like, this needed to be shorter. Mm. I would watch and I would accept a longer version, like a four hour director's cut with mm -hmm. the promise that there would be more, more depth. Yeah. I think that's the problem. Let me make sense of that is, is it's too long for what we get. It feels very shallow to be a three hour movie. Right. But if you're telling me there's longer movie, like a four or four and a half hour director's cut, where it fleshes all these characters out. We get a wild amount of backstory. We get him taking his time to move up the ranks. I feel like that would make it better. I agree. I'm going to ride that four wave because this is an absolute classic. I feel like I'd be wrong to give it anything lower, but I have to say I'm a, I'm a hair disappointed. I'm a hair disappointed with this Same. experience, but that's okay. Scarface is still a great movie and I can see why. It is a classic. Yep. All right. Well, Phoenix, thank you so much for being here. He will be back. I promise. Cool. We'll talk about, uh, we're still deciding which movie we will do <laughs> next, but um, Phoenix, tell everyone about your podcast. Yes. You guys can find me. I'm one third of the film co podcast. Uh, we drop a new episode every week. Uh, you guys can find us on Twitter and Instagram at film co pod and uh, check us out. We're uh just running through the the current um film year right up until we get to the big old big old Oscars and uh and our own award show so check us out at film go pot yeah those guys do a really great job over there if you like this dynamic with Phoenix and I definitely go check that out I was on a couple of episodes over there from them but they do good stuff as well. Um, my name is Nathan Pig. Of course, you've been listening to the End Credits podcast. If you would, please check out our other episodes as well as give us a follow over on TikTok. I'm going to get back into posting over there, but life's been a little busy for that. But going to continue to post daily content back over there on TikTok at End Credits Pod. Want to shout out our executive producer, Jack Feifter. This show could not be done without Jack's work. So thank you so much for that. From Phoenix... From myself, from Jack, this has been the End Credits Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.